Welcome to another MarTech Zone interviews. On today's show, we have Stephanie Cox. Stephanie is the VP of Sales and Marketing at Lumivate, and we're going to be talking about the alignment of marketing, sales, service, and support. This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Well, welcome back to MarTech Interviews. Uh, good morning. I have Stephanie Cox on. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Fantastic. And uh, Stephanie uh, is the VP of Sales and Marketing at Lumivate. Uh, but uh, Stephanie wears all hats at Lumivate. <laughs> so maybe Stephanie, uh, talk a little bit about your journey here. And then, and then uh, of course, let's open up and tell people about Lumivate. And then we can get into the topic at a hand. Yeah, so I have been in the marketing space for over 15 years. I've worked at companies like Ingersoll Rand, Exact Target, Salesforce, but I've really been at Lumivate for the last three and a half years. And I came on to lead marketing. And like in a lot of organizations, when you do a good job, you get more responsibilities. <laughs> um, so pretty quickly afterwards, I took on um, sales. So then I took over the sales team. So marketing and sales together, which was really great to create alignment, which we'll talk more about. And then probably about six months after that, I took on services and support, um, which also was another great alignment because how many times do you have the opportunity from the first time a prospect hears about you through their renewal to kind of control the entire customer experience. Yeah. And then um, I also lead our product management function as well. Wow. You bet. So, <laughs> everything the customer touches, I touch. <laughs> you must so. be doing a great job. <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic. And, and for people who are not familiar with Lumivate, can you talk a little bit about the pl platform? Yeah, so we are a mobile app development platform for marketers. So we enable a marketer to build a mobile app without any code. And we happen to deliver those all as progressive web apps, which is a technology that's been out for about five years now. It was started by Google, adopted by Apple, Microsoft, really everyone. And what it does is it brings together the best of native mobile with the web. So it allows you to have all the native mobile functionality that you love but it's delivered on the web. So you don't have to deal with the app store. And with what's been happening with the app store lately, there's a lot of benefit to that. It also yeah. means that you can build it once and it works the same across iOS, Android, desktop, tablet, mobile. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And it's part of this family of codeless, uh, yes. basically. So there, there's a huge savings in time. It's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, basically all of your clients have your dev team that are always working on new features and functionality, which is a great savings overall. It is. I, and it really brings to light this idea of, you know, as a marketer, you can brainstorm something in the morning and then how many times could you actually build an app later that afternoon and launch it? And that's yeah. really what we're allowing you to do. That's incredible. What, what are some of the, can you give some of the examples on, on how your clients are using Lumivate? Yeah, wide variety. I think this is what makes it a lot of fun for, customers and for us as a team is we have large enterprise organizations that use us to power all of their internal communications. And we have companies that use us for events, um, both in person and virtually. We have customers that use us as a sales tool to help their team better, you know, quote or educate their sales reps on what's possible. We also do have a customer that does uses us for their e-commerce front end. Wow. So really, 
yeah, the possibilities are kind of endless, which is really neat about it. And I think that's why a lot of customers like our platform is you don't just get to build one type of app. You can really build anything that you can dream up. That's incredible. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. And, and then uh, you're a podcaster. I am. As well. So you, uh, you are the host of the Real Marketers podcast. Tell people a, a little bit about that. Yeah, so we started the podcast about two and a half years ago under the name Mobile Matters and just recently rebranded to Real Marketers. And what we focus on is the marketers who move fast, ask forgiveness, not permission, have crazy ideas and guts to implement them, and we're going to tell their stories. So one of the things that I found that was lacking a lot in both virtual events, in-person events, podcasting and marketing was there's a lot of people talking about how wonderful everything is. And if you've ever done the job... (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) Everything is not wonderful. It's hard, um, especially in today's world. It's really hard to do marketing. It's really hard to do sales. And I wanted to find a place where you could talk to other marketers who are similar to me, which is I'm very authentic. I tell it like it is. And I want to highlight other people who have crazy ideas, implement them and say, you know what? That didn't work. That failed miserably. Let me tell you why it failed. Let me tell you what worked for me. And not just what worked, but how it worked. What was the team involved? How long did it take me? How much money did it cost? Because what a lot of people I think don't do is they talk about these great results that they had, and, but they don't actually tell you how they did it. And so if you're a marketer, you might invest in a piece of technology because someone else said it was great on LinkedIn, or you might want to you know, invest in this type of strategy, but you don't realize that, well, that costs more money than you have budget for. They had a team of 10 people. The first six things they did on it failed miserably. It took them like a year before they saw progress. No one tells that truth. And so that's really what we're about doing on the podcast. I love it. And I, I think you're absolutely right there. I do love, I, I love speaking at events and I love going to events and stuff and getting kind of a different perspective. But one of my complaints typically is, you know, I will see a speaker that is telling the same speech from five years ago and the world has evolved and marketing departments, like you said, you know, marketing departments, especially after COVID, you know, Mm -hmm. lost a lot of resources and a lot of people and budget. And so uh, when I go into companies, almost every single time with a company, they're always apologizing to me. Well, we're really far behind and we're really, we don't have a lot of resources. And I look at them and I go, what, where do you get this picture that, (laughs) that you're behind? Like, (laughs) you know, because most of the time I find that they're doing some things really, really well. And that's, what's keeping their marketing going and everything. And then you, you identify the gaps and see where there's opportunities. But I love that because practitioners, I, I, there is a split in our world between practitioners and maybe the, the, um, I I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm negative, but the storytellers, you know, mm-hmm. that someone that maybe I always ask someone, how do you get paid? You know, yep. if you, if you get paid for speaking gigs and books, uh, your perspective on marketing might be a little bit different than someone that gets paid to do marketing for a company. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm still going to listen to you, but uh, there's going to be a, a little bit of resistance from me. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> you know, same. Right. Based on that. Yeah. Or that worked really well two years ago, but no one does that anymore. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's another big one. Uh, Yeah, you see like the SEO industry and how that's, you know, changed over time. And 
people are still using the same tactics and then scratching mm -hmm. their head on why why it's not working. Well, that's fantastic. Well, I absolutely would. Uh, I will put in the show notes uh, where people can uh, go and subscribe to Real Marketers Podcast with Stephanie. And uh, that's that's great. I'm glad that you're doing that. I think we need a lot more of that in the industry. And then and then maybe this is a good transition to talk about the topic at hand today because one of the things that you mentioned uh, that you see with marketers, and I always put it in three places, right? People, processes, and platforms. Mm -hmm. And uh, too many times companies are focused maybe on a silo. You know, they're mm -hmm. focused on just the process or they're focused on just the people or worse, they're focused on just the platform. Uh, and, and so you're able to, you know, kind of take all of these things into mm -hmm. consideration uh, from a customer experience issue. Can you talk about, you know, and you did it iteratively. So mm -hmm. um, when you started with marketing uh, and, and then you transitioned to be over marketing sales, what was, what was the difficulty? Obviously you had to juggle a lot more, um, yeah. but I'm guessing that there was even personality traits that are different, you know, cultures within each of those silos. And then, and then what was the great thing, you know, what were the good things that came out of it? Yeah. So I think um, the biggest thing for me really was a little bit of culture shock. So Luna Bay has a great culture overall, but I run my team in a very different way than the sales team was run previously. I'd always been really close with our sales leaders in the past. I had always been part of the sales process. So one of the things that's interesting about my background is I have never been a traditional sales rep. So I've never carried a number from a sales thing, carried a bag, as they say. Um, but throughout my entire career, I've always been involved a lot of times in like strategic deals. And part of that is because I, when you sell to marketers, I am a marketer, I can relate to you. And when I come in the conversation, it doesn't sound like I'm selling, even though a thousand percent, that's exactly what I'm doing. Right, right. <laughs> so my team and how we used to, how I would run it when it was just marketing, I'm very transparent. I like to tell them as much as I can about what's coming. I like to be really open around, you know, the reality of numbers, where we're headed, the struggles that we're seeing, also sharing a lot of the wins, but we have a pretty open, open conversation. Not every leader in every organization is like that. The other thing is my team moves fast. And part of that's because I know one speed and that's running. So I expect everyone on my team to move very quickly and get a lot done. And I hold them super accountable to deadlines and results. The sales team, obviously they're used to results, right? That's what they're measured on, but they weren't used to kind of the level of candor that I think um, our, my team experience has always experienced for me. Um, or I think the speed at which I move <laughs> and the speed at which the rest of my team moves. So that I think was a, was a big, adjustment to everyone involved because it's hard to go from a team maybe that is a mix of personalities to a team that is all type a personalities i always tell anyone what i'm hiring is that my team is a bunch of type a's that you know pre-covid <laughs> we all had standing desks that like you know we're directly across from each other and we just talk at each other like all day right so Either you like that, or if that stresses you out, like you're probably not going to be a good fit because everyone's super wonderful, but also very blunt and honest. Um, so 
that was a big shock, I think, to some of the sales team that wasn't used to like, you guys just like kind of yell at each other all day. Not like yell, but like just talk at. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what we do. Um, which was, so that was, I think, a change, a challenge um, for them just to adjust to the speed at which we move, the speed of information that I share, the expectations that I have. And then I think the other big one was, you know, at this time I had been part of Limavate for, you know, a while and had been part of the sales process. And I saw a lot of opportunity to make changes to improve, improve it. We were doing really wonderful with marketing, bringing in, you know, gamings with some of the biggest brands in the world at, you know, director, VP of marketing levels and above. And, you know, I think we had this really highly personalized experience from a marketing perspective. And then from sales, it felt a little disconnected once you got into like the first call and the second call and that. So part of it was I wanted to make a lot of changes. And because, you know, I had known and been part of the process for a while, I just kind of ripped the bandaid off and we started right away. So I didn't do what I normally would do at a company, which is, you know, if I was coming into a new role for the first time, spend 30 days figuring things out and then start making changes. I was like, it happened on like a Tuesday and by like the following Monday, I was like, okay, we're blowing things up. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so that I think was like an adjustment for everyone as well. But what has been wonderful about it is now, you know, when that happened, the experience you got when you first heard about Lumivate, you got a similar experience throughout the sales process. And so, you know, we use video a lot in our outbound prospecting. So we started using video more in our sales, right? So when you schedule a meeting, you know, an SDR was introducing you to an AE via video. They sending a follow-up video after the meeting, right? Like explaining what all we went through and just really trying to have more of a cohesive experience. I think what's been most fun about it is seeing the impact. I think a lot of times people think, you know, a marketer can't run sales, but so a sales leader could definitely oversee marketing. And I think that's such a crock of crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. I've never, you know, been a traditional sales rep. I have never carried a bag, but we've been very successful with me leading sales. And part of that's because I know our customer really well. I know what our messaging should be. I know what differentiates us in the market. And we can communicate that effectively to prospects from the first time they hear about us through when they're, you know, multiple renewals down the road. And so if you can do that, and you know how to negotiate really well, because I think that's a key that a lot of people don't um, necessarily always have naturally. You can be a sales leader. There's no reason why sales has to always oversee marketing. If you're gonna have like a CRO type of role, marketers can lead sales and be very successful at it if they know their customer and they know the market really well. I think that's a really outstanding point on there. And, and part of that is of course, listening to the salespeople and being in mm -hmm. on those calls and understanding what the negatives are that they're, they're listening to and, and what pushback they're getting and everything else. But I, you know, you came from, you mentioned that you had worked for exact target too. So, yeah. you know, a lot of us talk about the, the culture. I was like employee mm -hmm. number 30 there or something. And I always used to tell people that, you know, everybody cheered it as a sales driven organization. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, the, the funny part of it was uh, being on the account management side and implementation side, it was a nightmare. Uh, and it was, and it was exact target was a sales driven organization, but it was literally, they sold anything to anybody and then threw it over the fence at us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so uh, what what I always tell people was the the hidden heroes, um, you know, my uh, the the woman that ran account management over me, 
was absolutely the hero of the company. And it, and it was because she always caught the ball and said, let's figure out how to, you know, get a touchdown with it. And if that meant going back and pushing against product people or whatever, Mm -hmm. let's take care of all of these problems internally. Let's put the customer at ease. Let's set expectations and everything else. But, but the disruption, oh, it was, it was, you know, sometimes it was just what, what did you sell? (laughs) You know? Do you know the product does not do that? Yeah. 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 I don't care that you put it on a slide. It doesn't just magically happen then. Yeah. And I think, I think for an organization like that, that was on this um, leading edge, maybe mm-hmm. even bleeding edge and had plenty of uh, investment dollars and everything else, it worked, you know, they leapfrogged and went ahead of other companies and everything else. And then the product, I think eventually matured and, mm-hmm. and caught up to where it needed to be. But the bad part, oh, the guilt part was, you know, sometimes we just rolled over really good companies that had promises made that the expectations, you know, weren't met. And, uh, and, and so that to me is always when I see sales and marketing alignment, what relaxes me the most is those expectations mm-hmm. that a year from now, those people have the same expectation two years from now. And now retention is a little bit easier. Upsell is a little bit easier um, because, because the conversation is the same throughout the sale and, you know, ongoing. Well, and that's one of the things that I did um, pretty quickly early on when I took over sales is I made our sales team accountable for the customer for life. So if you sell it, you own it. Um, So what helps there is, you know, it's, it really prohibits anyone from selling something that we can't do because they can't sell more to that customer and they can't get that customer to renew. So it puts a lot more accountability, I think, on the sales team. And now that hadn't been a problem at Limovate, but, you know, as you scale, that is something that you tend to, you tend to see happen in a lot of organizations. So if you sell it, they're your customer forever. Uh, that's fantastic. That's good. Uh, that's, I, I mean, that, that just, uh, that level of accountability, I think is great. And now, now the other, the other side of this services and support, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's still an extension of that, right? I, I think in the old, yeah. in the old days, I'm old. So I say that, you know, but in the old days you could build a brand, hide behind mm-hmm. it. Nobody knew the people behind the brand. The salesperson was the person that gave you all the gems and all the pieces of advice and sold you you didn't even know what competitors did or didn't do because you, all you did was talk to the salesperson. But in a world of social media, in a world of connected, connectedness that we're at now, service and support is playing a massive role in sales and marketing, right? It is. It, it is. And it's one of the things I think that for us, we've really tried to make as a differentiator. They're in a world of, like you said, like so much information about your competitors' products, right? We know what all of our competitors do. We know what their you know, features and functionality are. What we've tried to focus on is, one, how can we do that in a really unique way? But then, two, how can working with Lumivate just be very different than working with anyone else? How do we bring a little bit of that, we call it like Midwest humble, West Coast swagger to the conversation and really show what it's like when you work with a talented team who wants, more, most importantly, you to be successful. So that's been really our philosophy on it. But it does, you know, when you, when I added on services and support as my, one of my responsibilities, one of the thing that, things that worked really well is the alignment between sales and services, right? So sales no longer wanted to sell anything that they, we couldn't do because they would have to deal with the customer. 
Um, and in the service organization, really started focusing on, okay, well, how do we start getting ahead of, you know, where sales is going? How do we start, you know, how, like we obviously we did standard things like IKTs, but you know, how does our director of customer success, what cadence does she meet just individually with the reps or at, you know, on a regular basis, just to check in like, Hey, what are some of the other deals in your pipeline? What do you think is coming? Obviously all that information is shared at like our team meeting and Salesforce, but it's nice to have those other conversations just to stay in alignment around, you know, Hey, I've been talking to someone so about this. This is what we think might be happening. Or this customer is looking at a potential upsell opportunity and here's what the services might be. So really staying like really closely aligned around what's, what's happening, I think it's really been a win for us. And then support, we try and respond, you know, we have standard SLAs like everyone does for support, but we try and exceed those and really delight customers with the speed at which we respond. And part of that's because we know a lot of times the way they're using our platform, it's super important that they have uptimes, for instance, internal communications, especially in the world of COVID, like you need those messages to go out on time, um, especially if they're text messages and they're urgent. And so, you know, if you have an issue, we want to make sure we're diving into it right away. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Now, now that's all illustrious. You, yeah, <laughs> you sounds have, great, doesn't it? <laughs> you have all of this alignment. What is it doing to your life? I mean, what is a day in the life of look like when you're you have kind of these three different cultures and pieces of the organization that you're you're bringing into alignment? Yeah, so it's a little crazy, um, but I like it that way. I was telling someone yesterday, my to-do list for the week is like 40 items. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's just, it's, it is what it is. For me, I've always been an overachiever. So I've always been someone that likes to have a healthy level of stress. I am probably the opposite of a lot of people. So some people, if they get a lot of things going on, they almost don't know where to start. I feel that way if I don't have like way too much going on. So if I just had like a couple of things to do, I like wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. So I work best that way. I've been that way since a chat since I was a child. So really what my day looks like. So I'll give you an example of yesterday. So yesterday I did, let's see, um, I launched the new pot. We launched real marketers. I also was on another podcast doing an interview. I met with one of our large customers and um, participated in their kickoff for a really strategic initiative they have that needs to roll out rapidly. We also did some sales calls <laughs> um, and gosh, what else? <laughs> I, oh, and then uh, product. <laughs> I was like, what was the other thing I was missing? Um, right. So I've been going through from a product standpoint and providing some guidance and feedback on a new version of our platform that we're working on and some enhancements to it. So that was kind of like my eight to six. I think I got done with calls around 6 p.m. And then, you know, we do dinner with the kids and hang out for a little bit. And then they go to bed and I'm back on the computer catching up, usually on email for the rest of the day. But I, that's kind of, every day is a little bit different, which is what I like. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and I'm guessing that, um, you know, you have kind of have an agile process in place mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of, I always, like a lot of people talk about projects now, and I always tell them projects are never done nowadays. Right. Uh, because the the technology is forever changing, new mediums, new channels, new, um, you know, new ways to communicate with people. And, and so w people that came from a, maybe a, 
the old old school kind of manufacturing or construction mm-hmm. background where you were done. You you hammered in the last nail, woohoo! And yeah. you Yay. you took a bow. Marketers, that doesn't exist anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's no matter what we do today, next week something is going to move that we've got to adjust to, and so you almost have to get out of this industry if you're mm-hmm. one of those people that just can't ever feel like they have to have everything done, right? It is. And that's one of my favorite sayings right now is like speed is better than perfection. And part of that is, you know, kind of to your point, a lot of times marketers, we get in this habit. And I think a lot of it depends on like when you started your career. So when I started mine in the early 2000s, we did a lot of like print was how you did a lot of things, digital and like having a website was still a new concept. So, you know, back then everything had to be perfect because that ad that you printed, I mean, it was like that forever. Right. <laughs> so, but today what I tell people that I love most about digital is that you're, you are never done. You, it is a constant iteration. And part of what your challenge is, is going to market as quickly as possible and then taking data and iterating on that. Because if you wait six months, nine months to launch something, the challenge you're going to have is the market is going to have involved so much that by the time you launch it, you're already behind and you just don't realize it. Yeah, that's outstanding advice for people. Um, is there anything I'm I'm curious? Uh, this is these are the embarrassing questions, right? Yeah. The the mistakes along the way, you well. know. <laughs> you know things that yeah. if if you were going to talk to another organization that was going to merge these uh, responsibilities, you know, what kind of uh, landmines could they avoid? I think the biggest one is really around making sure everyone knows why you're doing it, right? It's not just because, you know, sometimes when people take on more responsibilities, it's because they've done really well in in another area. Um, When you're taking on something that maybe you, you know, like for me, where I hadn't led sales before, being really clear with the team why you think this is the right decision for the company and it's going to be successful, I think is really important. Um, to, to communicate from a leadership perspective, but then also at, at some point too, you know, when you make big changes like this, you know, whether it's reorganization of an organ of a company, whether it's drastically changing messaging or positioning, anything that fundamentally does change the company, you have to be prepared for some people not to like the direction it's headed, yeah. right? Um, not everyone is going to like the style in which I manage my team. Cause if you don't like to move fast and you like to be kind of a little bit more like methodical and take your time. The speed at which we run is probably going to drive you absolutely crazy and give you way more stress than you're used to dealing with. Um, so I think that is one of the things I would tell everyone is, you know, if you do have a leadership change, some people are not going to like it and that's okay. Yeah. And, and not worry about it and not be fearful of it. The other thing I would say is if you want to think about aligning your entire customer experience under one leader, do it all at once. I think that would have been, I probably would have felt like I was drowning if I would have done it all at once, but I think it would have helped us get there the fastest. Wow, interesting. What I mean by that is, you know, what we did is, you know, I came in, took over marketing and really blew up how we did marketing. And then, you know, I took over sales and we blew that up. Then took over services and support and we blew that up. Same thing with product. And if we could have done it all kind of at one time, um, or maybe like took over marketing and then took over everything else um, at the same time, I could have taken a step back and said like, what do I want this ideally to look like long-term? 
and, you know, kind of put my flag in the sand of where we were headed and then how we get there. And we could have done a lot of things, I think, faster that way. Instead, I think what, what tends to happen when you take on more responsibilities, like when I took on services and support, there are things about how marketing and sales work that we need to change in order to make, you know, the new vision for this work. Um, because we were operating in a world where we could only control what we can control. <laughs> right. And then we kick it over to sales and, you know, to service and support. Um, same thing with product, right? Um, from a marketing perspective and sales, you know, when we didn't, I didn't oversee product management, I was reliant on kind of what their roadmap was. And obviously I influenced it, but I didn't have final say over it. And now that I do, you know, I can align that more to, okay, you know, what does our customers look like? Who do we know that's in the pipeline? How do we think about strategically, not just what the market needs, but what our pipeline needs and how can I align that? So it's ready before they need it. So that's just a very different conversation. And it would have been, you know, great to have done that like a year ago, <laughs> um, all at the same time or versus kind of like piecemeal would be the yeah, other thing. It makes sense. I, 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 I'm trying to think of a good, you know, analogy for that, but it would probably be like, you're, you're fixing up a car, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're putting all these new parts on it, but ultimately you're going to put a new engine in it. So yeah. all the time that you spent putting new parts and everything, you know, ultimately you lost some of that, you know, along the yeah. way. Yeah. 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 That's incredible. Well, thank you so much. This is, this is a really uh, fascinating conversation. And I want people, again, we're going to, we're going to say, it, you know, Stephanie is the host of the Real Marketers podcast. So go out there and listen to these uh, types of conversations on her podcast. Uh, and she, uh, you have had some incredible brands on there, MGM Resorts, Crayola, GE, Campbell Soup Company. Uh, so uh, it, the, you're in the big time. So congratulations on that. Uh, and then of course, uh, if you're interested in looking at an incredible codeless platform for, you know, rolling out uh, these mobile experiences, I would say is, uh, you know, go check out Lumivate. And uh, we actually have a post on MarTech Zone, you know, that walks through the product and, and all the advantages of it. But thanks so, so much for taking the time today. My pleasure. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.